Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today on Personally Speaking, I'll be joined by best-selling Christian author Anthony Stefano. Anthony has written a new children's book called The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted, a retelling of Jesus' parables from the perspective of the seed. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Anthony Stefano joins me now. Anthony is a best-selling Christian author, television personality, and pro-life activist. He's written 20 best-selling books, including A Travel Guide to Heaven, 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes To, and Inside the Atheist Mind. He's also written a number of award-winning children's books, which include This Little Prayer of Mine, Little Star, and The Puppy That No One Wanted. Anthony's latest book is a children's rhyming book called The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted. The book deals with being afraid of new experiences and change and helps children understand what it means to have the courage to face their fears while relying on their faith. There's also a very strong pro-life message within the book. The tiny seed in the story lives in a womb-like draw till he is fully grown into a magnificent tree. The story emphasizes how the seed has changed and developed, but he always retains his unique identity and individuality. Here to talk with us about his new book and how it can help children and their parents and grandparents, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, best-selling author Anthony Stefano. Anthony, first of all, thanks for coming again on our show. But I need to ask you, for the listeners around the country who don't know enough about Anthony DiStefano, and I hope you know more, he's a very, very strong theological thinker. He's a great adult, well-educated man. One of his books that I had the chance to read for adults was called Inside the Atheist Mind. So he's a deep and profound theological thinker. So i got to ask you, Anthony, what goes into your choice? Because it's interesting. You've done this time and time again to write specifically Books for children. Well, uh, the real answer to that question is I don't ever write specifically for children. Uh, all of my children's books are also for adults. Okay, that's the whole reason why I started writing children's books was I wanted to write books that could um, captivate uh, children's uh, imagination, especially their moral imagination, but also uh, not only be entertaining uh, and thought-provoking for them, but also maybe make an impression on the uh, the parents or grandparents or uncles or aunts or older brothers and sisters who are reading these books to their children. So I always have the adults in mind, not just the children. Uh, beyond that, though, I think that, you know, given the... Um, you know the state that we're in the wor- in the world today where you know our values our christian values are under attack so much i think it now is more important than ever to get to these children while they're young and instill in them uh these strong christian virtues uh to give them an anchor in life and to help them 
uh, to face the battles that they're eventually going to face when they get older. Okay. Anthony DeStefano is our guest. His book is The Seed Who is Afraid to Be Planted. Now, Anthony, in other places you've talked about the fact that all, all these books, especially for children and their parents and grandparents, that the, the roots of them are always the gospel. For instance, the parables that Jesus told time and time again where he used the seed. Uh, but when you, I, I'm often wondering, because I, I love your stuff, both your adult self and yourself, uh, that's geared as well for children. But I often wonder, where did Anthony get this really creative idea to approach this this way? Um, I know it sounds pretentious to ask, but do you think that your ideas, when you come up with them for a book, are uh, are Anthony's ideas, or are they divinely inspired? <laughs> I would love to think that they're divinely inspired, <laughs> that God would use such a weak uh, and sinful instrument as Anthony DiStefano uh, as a vehicle. I would love to think that, uh, and I hope in my, uh, my faith that I have that, that partly that that's true. It so happens that... Um, that sometimes I do come up with these ideas, and they're like bolts of lightning. They're like moments of inspiration. This book in particular, you know, I was at uh, Eucharistic Adoration, and uh, there was a Bible lying around, and I happened to open it up and read one of these parables that you just mentioned, the one from John 12, where, you know, uh, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And, uh, and I know there are various parables about the mustard seed, etc. And on the way home from adoration, it just struck me like a bolt of lightning that wouldn't this be a wonderful uh, children's book to tell Jesus' parable of the seed from the perspective of the seed. Because, because it, presumably, if a seed could talk, right. he would be afraid of being planted in the ground and dying. It would be, so therefore, I could use this as a way to talk about fear and grieving and things like that, and it could be done in a very, very simple and, I hoped, entertaining way. So in this case, I think it was like a, just an inspiration from the, the Holy Spirit, I hope. No, I think, I think it probably was. You know, every week when I finish a homily uh, at the back door of church, somebody's going to say to me, you know, you're talking specifically to me, and I needed to hear that. I feel like it's a message from God. Now, I don't, again, like you, I want to be humble enough to say I, I work for God, but I don't pretend to be his voice. But sometimes he does use us, Anthony, imperfect as we are, to get across his message. So that's obviously what he's doing for you. I want to ask you, too, the, for those who don't get to see Anthony's books that are for children and their parents and grandparents, like the seed who was afraid to be planted, um, the, the artistry of, of your books is so inviting and so warmly engaging. Tell us about the artists and how you pick them to uh, to, to, to fill out the graphics of your books? Well, uh, first of all, I want to only use the best illustrators. I think that especially in the Christian world and in the Catholic world, you get a lot of products that are, to be frank, they're just, they don't use the very best people. Mm. You don't see the caliber of of production values that you see in the secular world. And from the very beginning, I wanted to go against that trend. So um, I, for every project, especially for these children's books, I try to find the very best. So I've used a New York Times award-winning uh, illustrators on numerous occasions. This particular artist who did The Seed Was Afraid to Be Planted, his name is Erwin Madrid, and he worked on the whole Shrek franchise of movies, wow. you know, the famous the, the Shrek series. Uh-huh. And so... Um, and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to use somebody like this to be able to instill in this book some really captivating panoramic scenes, especially at the end, after the seed 
it goes from being a seed and grows into a marvelous, beautiful, big, giant tree overlooking a sunlit shore, wouldn't it be great to get a beautiful panoramic scene to show how much this seed's life has changed for the better, despite the fear that, the, that he had? Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Now, i got to ask you something, Anthony. When you've got a great vision but like you have with Irwin, uh, I love that, Irwin, the artist, um, this sort of thing should be, it seems to me, especially in this uh, season of Advent and Christmas and beyond, this should be something that's available to every parent and grandparent to get for their, their kids and go through and read with them and, and for the, the child to learn these values. But how do you take a child's book or book written, directed in part for children, and get it into the hands of parents and grandparents. Obviously, you come on a show like this, but I'm talking about the average parish, a parish like mine. Like, we should have this book in the back door of church and be selling it every weekend, especially before holidays. How do you get this out there, Anthony? Well, uh, you know, that's, that's a big problem, and all authors have that problem. I'm lucky in that I do have, after so many years of writing books and being associated with, you know, Priests for Life and other pro-life ministries, I, I do have some connections in the, in the media and good friends like you, thank goodness, uh, who helped me get the word out. And, of course, I have a publisher uh, named Sophia Institute Press, which uh, tries to get the book into Catholic bookstores and Christian bookstores. Uh, and I do a lot of interviews and, and also have a great relationship with EWTN. So I think they're going to be broadcasting uh, me reading this book pretty soon before Christmas. But uh, getting it into churches, that's a whole different story. And that involves working with the individual dioceses and you know, unfortunately, I, I just don't have that kind of network to make that happen uh, yet. Maybe maybe some years from now, if I have a little bit more success and, and I'm on your program a few more times, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll be able to do that. Well, like I'm thinking every parish has a bulletin and, and we'll run full-page ads. You know, it doesn't cost anything, but uh, you obviously have a full-page ad for something like The Seed Who's Afraid to Be Planted. That I would run that, and most pastors would, because we're looking for good materials for families to get hold of. So anyway, just a thought, Anthony, put in the back of your head. Let's go back to uh, Anthony Real Life. Now, for our listeners who don't know, not only is Anthony a, a great author and also obviously mentioned working wonderfully for Priests for Life, but he's also a married man to a beautiful, intelligent, sensitive woman named Jordan. I got to ask you, as, as a family man, as a married man, uh, any insights at all for our folks around the country as to what makes a happy marriage, Anthony? Um, you know, the key is uh, right there on the cross, <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that in any kind of facetious way, but the true meaning, you know, love is the most abused, confused, misused word in the English language. Everyone has all these uh, misguided ideas about what love is based on the movies, and what love is is the giving of oneself sacrificially. It's what Jesus taught us at the, at the Last Supper when he said, this is my body given up for you. Mm-hmm. You know, he, that's what the meaning of love is, and that's what he did the next day when he was crucified on the cross. You don't cling to your, what, what you want. You sacrifice yourself and your desires. And I think the more that a husband and wife do that for each other, uh, the greater success, the greater happiness, the greater fruit that that marriage is going to have. So it's really, really simple. Uh, just give 100% um, and don't worry so much about your own desires. Just learn to learn to habitually uh, forget about those and concentrate on what's going to you know, make your wife happy. You know, and that makes me sound like I'm... I'm um, 
that maybe that simplifies it too much, but that's still the key to all the solutions. Yeah, I think, Anthony, you're onto something. Anthony DiStefano is our guest. We're talking about the fact that successful family life, successful marriage has got to be based on a selfless as a first, as opposed to selfish vision of love. I think for lots of people, Anthony, it's love is really seen as something that's always going to be reciprocal. I love you, but what am I getting out of this? And you're saying as long as you're measuring it that way, it's, it's doomed to failure. But if you can say, in your happiness, my partner is my delight uh, is is the way to make a married life and you two obviously have a lot of that going on for those who don't know Anthony DeStefano is also blessed to come from a great family and among the uh, siblings he has a brother who's a priest and pastor and I just wonder Anthony as a Catholic layman you've got to know that we priests are going through hellish times in this this particular age um did you encourage your brother to embrace the priesthood? And would you still encourage him and others to embrace the priesthood in light of the fact that uh, it is one uphill battle to, to live the life right now with a culture that is in some ways uh, crucifying priests? Well, uh, you know, I'm very happy to say that I was the person uh, who gave my brother the idea to become a priest at the beginning. There were many people, uh, obviously, along the way. He had a long journey to the discernment of the priesthood. But I actually once, again, I was riding in a car, and, 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 he, and he, my brother, uh, Father Sal, had been wondering what to do with his life. He had, you know, he was very religious and he wanted to, you know, have something to do with service. He had thought about all kinds of different jobs. And it hit me like a bolt of lightning that, you know, he should be a priest. It just hit me so strongly that I gave him a call right there and then and said, don't think I'm crazy, Sal, but what about the priesthood? What about the priesthood? And uh, speaking of seeds, uh, that was a seed that was that I, I think I planted, and uh, and it and it and it grew, and he became a priest. And um, so I don't want to take credit for his priesthood, but I did. God gave me a, a small little role in that, and so people should always consider uh, advising others to be a priest. And yes, the answer to your question is absolutely, and you use the right word, uh, there is a crucifixion going on right now of many priests and the Church itself. But that's why we are Christians to begin with, We're at the center of our faith is a cross. And so, you know, if, if, you're, if you're afraid of that, you know, then it's, then it's not going to be for you. But if you want something challenging and you want to, to, to really practice true service and true love, there is no, more, uh, no uh, greater vocation in life than to become a priest, especially at this time. It shows tremendous courage, and God will reward that courage 20-fold over. I mean, I could go on and on talking about that. Please stay with us. We'll be back with more of our interview with best-selling author Anthony DiStefano in just a moment. We're asking people how big a marriage is. Like how many people it affects. Right. So let's find out. How big is it? I, I can't measure it. It's worldwide. I would say as big as the universe. So your marriage affects more than just the two of you. How many people? At least a thousand. If you enjoyed your marriage, you're kind of like, I want that too. You see those nice people being together, being happy, and you want to enjoy that too. Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. Welcome back to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and I'm joined now by best-selling Christian author Anthony DiStefano, who's written a new children's book called The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted. 
Anthony DeStefano is our guest. Obviously, we're here to talk about, among other things, his writing, The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted. We'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, Anthony said a moment ago something interesting. He said that Sal was someone who was a very religious guy. So how does he serve people and also be religious? Priesthood, that makes sense. But I would point out, and I know Anthony knows this, that uh, there are very few people in the DeStefano family who are not religious. In fact, Anthony has a brother who's a Supreme Court judge who's one of the most spiritual religious guys I know, but whose religi- religiosity is is uh, is coupled together with the, the greatness of his ability as a judge out there in the, in the legal world. So you can be religious and be a non-priest too, but I'm glad Father Sal chose that route. Okay, Anthony, back to another book I wanted to ask you about. Anthony DeStefano has a book out there that I have many times recommended to people, especially, to be honest, when they've gone through a, a death of a loved one. Uh, people are always asking me about heaven and where is this person I love now, and I recommend to them A Travel Guide to Heaven because it's a great book that Anthony put together about life beyond this life. But, Anthony, I didn't realize, somehow I missed it, that you've also written another book called The Travel Guide to Life. I knew nothing about that. Tell us, what's that about? You know, a travel guide to life, you know, I've got this, like, a travel guide to heaven, a travel guide to life, and now I've got a book coming out next year called Hell, a Guide. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's sort of like uh, my publishers want me to be like a modern-day Dante, I think, <laughs> and produce a whole divine comedy. Right. Uh, tra- look, travel Guide to Life, is very, very simply, and I haven't talked about this book in a long time, uh, is, is, is really, uh, you know, the personal development self-help movement is tremendously helpful. And so many people out there today are into self-help and personal development, but there's too much of a new age uh, aspect to it. And it's not enough about God's help, the self-help movement. It's all about self-help and not God's help. And, and I wanted to write a book that was a corrective on the self-help movement. I wanted to write a book that you know, gave people some of the tools, the motivational tools, the inspiring, encouraging tools that the self-help industry teaches, like Tony Robbins and others, because many of those tools are very valuable and can help a person uh, turn, turn themselves around, get back up on their feet and make successes of themselves. But at the same time, I wanted to balance it, put a governor on it, and show how much God really is a part of that. And the first thing in, in making any kind of self-help successful success uh, Success, life success plan come true is to is to surrender to God's will and put yourself put your trust in God. So that's what that book is. It's trying to tries to get the best of the self help movement together with the main core Christian principles. Okay. Anthony DeStefano is our guest. We're talking, among other things, about his new book, The Seed, Who Was Afraid to Be Planted. Anthony, when you have books that are all gospel uh, values, uh, wonderfully put, Inevitably, a listener to our show is going to say, I wonder, like, how did this guy get to be the spiritual, religious guy he is? Your faith, the way it was formed and shaped, what worked, what didn't work so well? Yeah, you know, my family, you mentioned my family before and how everyone is uh, in some sort of service industry or something like that. We did not start uh, a very in a very religious uh, way at all. We didn't go to Catholic schools. I went to public schools, grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we didn't go to church when we were children, most of that. My father had fallen away from the church. Uh, he had been an altar boy uh, when he was a kid, but his uh, his mother died at 17, and you know the whole family reeled from that experience. And so we just didn't grow up uh, uh, in a very religious household. 
Uh, as fate would have it, my sister, Elisa, uh, was the one person in the family who, who was religious. She did go to church. She listened to Christian radio. She prayed. Uh, she was an anomaly. But as so often happens, God puts one of those types of people in the family, right. as far as one of them, and then that one person brings everybody else along. So sometime in my early 20s, after seeing my sister Elisa go to church so much, she, uh, she dragged me off to hear a mass given by this young priest named Father Frank Pavone, uh. who was a little bit older than me. And uh, I got a chance to hear him preach, and, and then I, I was so impressed by how brilliant he was that I made a list of all my questions about the faith, and I just uh, made an appointment to go see him, and, uh, and, he, and he answered those questions one by one. Wow. So it was a slow journey through my 20s, um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it was, it's a long story. And then also I was helped along by people like C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. reading the screw tape letters and other books like that that contributed to, to my conviction that, uh, you know, that I should be a writer of, of popular Christian ap- apologetics, that that was something that was needed and that I could do it. Isn't that great? I'm thinking back in my own history, uh, a novelist, uh, Giovanni Guareschi's books, The Little World of Don Camillo, and his whole series of Don Camillo books were inspiring to me in terms of getting me interested more actively in the faith, uh, and novelists to that for you as well, like C.S. Lewis. I want to ask you, too, uh, you probably know this already, but your story parallels in many ways that of uh, Bishop Frank Caggiano in Bridgeport. His dad uh, had no use for the Catholic faith at all, never went to church, and it was literally weeks before Frank was going to be ordained uh, before his mom said to his father, you're going to your son's ordination, and then after that, you're never missing church again. And he didn't until the day he died. Uh, wonderful times in which people in our families bring us back to the faith. Okay, i got to ask you about something because you dropped his name. I want to follow up. For our listeners around the, the world and around the country, Anthony Stefano mentioned that an inspiring priest for him was Father Frank Pavone. Now, maybe lots of people listening know about him and Priest for Life, but maybe some people never heard of this guy. Uh, I think he's an amazing man in many, many ways, an amazing priest. Uh, what is there to love about Father Frank Pavone? Father Frank Pavone is, uh, is dedicated to ending abortion. That is his mission in life, and he spends 24 hours, seven days a week doing it. He does it in every way possible, and uh, he's built a multimedia uh, you know, tremendous organization devoted to that cause, and I've never met anybody in my whole life who has such single-minded purpose and focus. In addition to that, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, before he became a priest, he was a valedictorian of every school he ever went to. They thought he was going to become a, a doctor and cure cancer uh, or something like that, but he decided instead that he wanted to become a priest. Uh, and then he further decided that he discerned that he had a vocation within a vocation, and that was to focus on uh, uh, saving babies from abortion. And that's what he's done, and that's what he'll do till the, till the last day he's on earth. He's an amazing uh, man, and I've worked with him now for 30 years, almost since right be- after he became a priest. And, uh, you know, usually when you know people that long, you know, they, they, you know, you, 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 not that you lose respect for them, but you see all their shortcomings and, you know, you don't think as highly of them. It's the opposite with Father Frank. After 30 years, my respect for the guy keeps going up and up and up because I see how pure he is and how dedicated he is to, 
to this, which is to ending, which is really the greatest evil of our time, the institutionalized killing of, uh, of unborn babies. And as uh, I know Anthony knows, interestingly enough, you'd expect Father Frank to get pushed back from the uh, pro-abortion community, and he has that, certainly. They're, they're no friend of his. But sadly enough, sometimes even from, from within our own church, he gets beaten up because he's uh, an unrepentant apostle for life. And uh, he's, he's really a courageous, amazing man in so many ways. Uh, you know, as a priest myself who's involved in pro-life, I have to say he's got more backbone than uh, most of us in terms of saying, no, this is who I am, this is what I believe, I, I can't be anything but what I am, and this is what I'm called to do, and uh, a remarkable man in so many ways. Anthony, go back to uh, the seed who was afraid to be planted. You talked in other interviews, yeah. I wondered if you could just direct this, for parents and grandparents who know their, ki- their kids have a whole lot of uh, founded and unfounded fears, any insights into why our kids are afraid and how we're supposed to release these children we love from the fears that paralyze them? Well, I mean, the, the why children are afraid, uh, I mean, children, it's a big world, and it's a, it's a scary world, and children are small. You know, things that, are, that we take for granted uh, can be traumatic to children. Uh, the first day of school, uh, uh, the birth of a new baby brother or sister, the, the visit to the doctor or the dentist, uh, not to mention big things like, you know, the death of a pet or the death of a loved one. Uh, children just don't have the perspective of a life perspective to deal with those things. And so, so oftentimes we don't even realize that they're traumatized by these things. Uh, but beyond this, it's not just children, Monsignor. It's, it's adults, too. You know, I think the biggest problem we, everyone faces in life is fear. Yeah. You know, people, are, people listening right now to your show, they, they have money problems. They're afraid of money problems. They're, they're afraid of, you know, they're losing their jobs. They're afraid of uh, what's going to happen with their kids, uh, you know, and their finances and their health. You know, most of all, people are just afraid that they don't have what it takes to overcome all the problems they face. They're overwhelmed. And, and these kind of fears, they start when we're little. And they, what we, they, we cannot sweep them under the rug. That's the problem that, that, that people make. They sweep these problems under the rug, but they don't go away. They fester, they mutate, they grow into tremendous uh, insecurities and in some case phobias, and, and we become just fearful human beings throughout our whole lives. So the reason why I've written this book is hopefully to get little kids to relate to that little seed, the seed that is going to be planted by the gardener, and the gardener represents God, and he's going to be afraid of being planted, but, but he, what happens, he, he trusts in God, and he, he winds up growing into a big tree. And he's not just by himself, but he becomes the center of a garden in which there's the, the birds build nests in, their, in his branches. He becomes a source of nurturing mm-hmm. uh, and life for everyone around him. And that's exactly what, 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 we, what can happen to us if we actualize all the potential God has given us uh, by trusting in him, by surrendering to his will, not our will. That's the, that's the antidote for fear. Fear is useless. What's needed is trust, trust in God. And that message, the earlier we instill that message in children, the, the more protection they'll have throughout their lives 
when they have to deal with fears and with grieving. I want to thank Anthony DiStefano for once again being a guest on Personally Speaking. Go out, ladies and gentlemen, and get The Seed Who Is Afraid to Be Planted. I can tell you that, as so many other books by Anthony are worth your time and effort. Great family gifts. And uh, Anthony's on you know every website in the world. Just go online and you'll find Anthony DiStefano and, and a listing not just of The Seed Who Is Afraid to Be Planted, but so many other great writings for adults and for children. And uh, please, please embrace his man's writing because he's got a gift for communicating well values that last. Anthony, thanks so much for being a guest on our show and much success to you in this and all your writings and all your efforts to spread the good news. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send them to me through our website. That is www.CloseEncounterTV.com. Again, www.CloseEncounterTV.com. Or if you want to listen to past personally speaking episodes, go to the same website. Just click on the radio button at the top of the page. Please be sure to visit that site and encourage others to do the same. And you can also listen to past personally speaking episodes by going to www.ollmp.org Again, www.ollmp.org And you'll not only get the show, but you'll get weekly homilies by Monsignor Jim Lasanti. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Our engineer is Chris Wallach. And our audio facility is Dream Recording Studios on Long Island. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.